Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 59 of Therapy Thoughts with Lindsay. After a little bit of a break, we are back, and Randy Cash is there through the computer, as always. Hey. Hi there. How are you? I'm great. You How was your trip? Back. I did. Welcome back. Oh, it was amazing. It really was. It was an amazing trip. It feels like a whirlwind, but we were there and back before I knew it. So it was it was really awesome. Thank you for asking. Well, thank you for bringing back that cold weather. <laughs> I did not bring back the cold weather. I was in a very warm environment. I did not want to leave said warm environment. We came back to like 27 degree temperatures and my body was like, no, thanks. Do not like this. This is not fun. Well, you're back and I'm happy to have you back. So welcome back. Oh, well, thank you. I'm glad to be back. It did feel weird not working for 10 days. I'm I'm usually like the go, go, go kind of work person. And so I took a break from like everything, social media, doing the podcast, doing the blog, like everything was just down for like 10 days. And I'm like, ah, I'm trying to get back in the swing of things. So that being said, we um, left off finishing up my series on the five love languages. And then I am starting to dig into two sets of lesser known languages. We have the anger languages, which we're going to talk about in today's episode. And then next week, we're going to talk about the apology languages. And what's really, really interesting is that I've had a number of people reach out and say they've never even heard of such things, didn't even realize they were a thing. I've even had some people that are like, uh, why are there five languages for everything? And so here's the rundown, right? You've got the love languages. It's how you give and receive love. But then in every relationship, some form of disagreement, anger, arguments, all of that is going to happen. And there are healthy and maybe not so healthy ways to engage in anger and disagreements. And then you've got the apology languages that come back on the other side as a way to sort of reset using the love languages to start over. So it's sort of a cycle. They all build on one another and they can all sort of play off of each other. So hopefully I can shed some light today on the anger languages. Dare I, I even ask? Very, you your, nothing. I was going to say, I used to be a very, I don't want to say angry person, but especially when I was younger, I was very angry. But uh, the older I've gotten, man, I've mellowed out. And with a lot of help from you, I've definitely, you know, gotten <laughs> everything uh, on a nice, peaceful, even place that I'm very happy for. Thanks. Well, that's a nice compliment. Although I do have to say, I can't make anybody do anything. So you had to choose those things, but maybe I, I just did. pointed them out to you in a way that made it easier to like grasp onto. But that being said, I am, I'm curious, have you done any of your assessments yet? Should I even ask? The anger one? Uh, yeah, I almost There did is it. no anger assessment. You're just <laughs> making stuff no, up. No, I'm now. actually looking at it on uh, my phone right now. Are you really? Are you on the blog reading along with me? No, I'm at uh, I'm reading about. Are you speaking in anger language? And the there you go. Five okay. anger languages. Well, as we go through them, you'll have to tell me which of these show up or used to show up the most for you. And I also want people listening to understand that you're probably going to see versions of all of these at different times. Unlike the love languages, where there is kind of like a primary type. You may have a primary way that you show anger, but you're likely to cycle through a lot of these as we go. Okay, so the first one is righteous anger. This is the one where you're going to look at someone and basically say, I'm right, you're wrong. It's a very ego-driven thing. It can really escalate quickly into scorekeeping, 
throwing venom back and forth at each other and just honestly trying to hurt one another using this righteous anger. And I feel like this happens a lot when feelings are hurt, when someone feels like maybe they aren't being listened to, they aren't being heard, or maybe their love languages aren't being met in a way that feels authentic to them. So it comes up in this kind of, well, I've done these things for you. What have you done for me? And it kind of devolves itself pretty quickly. Well, I've been guilty of that in the past. I got to tell you, I 100% have. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll say for me, they all came. I was never in a happy place with myself like I am now when I behave that way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I do. And I think that's important because let me just backtrack a little bit and say that anger is a secondary emotion. And this really kind of bristles people when I say this. But what I want to make clear is that I am not invalidating your anger, but I am suggesting that the anger is not the primary driver behind how you are feeling. Anger is the expression of something usually much deeper. And a lot of times it's a fear-based response or it's something about not being heard, not being understood, feeling invalidated. And so the anger is the emotion that comes to the surface, but it quite often is masking or is attached to something else. So with this righteous anger, that's definitely a way that that can show up where, you know, you've got this kind of I'm hurt. And because I feel hurt now, I'm going to lash out at you in anger. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think everyone's been guilty of that, having their feelings hurt. And then you just, well, how do you handle that? You're not taught how to do that, express right. that emotion. So you just lash out in anger. Right. And that's the reason I wrote that whole relationship communication guide that you can find. There's a link to it um, in the description of this video. But that's the reason I have that there, because I want people to start learning how to have courageous conversation and to be able to talk about the feelings beneath their anger or their frustration, because it is possible to get to the root of that. Okay, so then if we move into indignation, this is going to be where you're looking at someone and you're almost like questioning, like, how could you do that? What is wrong with you? I can't believe you would do such a thing to me. It's very like, um, you know, trying to make the other person feel bad for whatever they've said or done. And maybe this is where guilt trips kind of come into play. Not only am I going to stand here and sort of berate you for what you've done, but I'm going to make you feel bad for it. I'm going to try to guilt you into some action or behavior that would make me feel better, even though it may not be the best way to get that outcome. That's uh, like when you turn the tables and you turn it around onto the other person, you know, and you kind of the spin factor, if you will. Yeah, I used to be really good at that, too. <laughs> Okay, good to know. Good to know. Randy's bringing all of his anger to the surface. Um, so then from there, we're going to look at the concept of retribution. So retribution and vengeance and revenge kind of go hand in hand. This is where you're looking at someone and you're saying, you're going to pay for that. I'm going to remember that. I am going to you know, get you back in some way. It's sort of this idea, I may forgive you, but I'm not going to forget. And I'm probably not going to let you forget either. I'm going to throw it in your face whenever I can. I'm going to remind you of your past wrongs and I'm not going to let it go. This one gets really tricky from like a therapy coaching perspective, because if we're constantly having the same argument or dredging up stuff from the past, even when we have sort of settled whatever that issue is, it's like it constantly reopens those wounds and then brings them back to the surface in a way that really feels icky. It, it does not serve relationships well, this retribution. 
Yes, but I was just writing down that that seems like something that you're holding on to something from the past that every time you feel a certain emotion that keeps coming back to the surface and you're now dealing with one or more or two or three of these things at one time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're, you know, and there's a lot of overlap between the anger languages. You could even find yourself in an argument cycling through all of them, because depending on what's going on and how hurt or wounded you may feel or how frustrated and angry you may be, the more you're going to cycle through the different types. So then kind of along the same lines of retribution, but just a little bit different comes the concept of distraction. So this is like a form of deflection. It's a way to maybe try and offload or get out of taking responsibility for your own actions and then turning it around on the other person like, you know, well, I might have done that. But what about you? What is it that we can pick on you about? Because I don't want to talk about what's going on with me. It also could be deflected by sort of asking a question within the anger, like, why are you always after me? Why are you always looking for problems? What's wrong with you that you need to pick on me all the time? So it's kind of a way to like distract from the issue at hand and turn it into another issue that's really not effective for the communication to sort of move forward. That's about the time I usually just ask someone, hey, man, how about them Cardinals? I guess that's a different kind of distraction where you're not like egging on the conversation and elevating it to the next level of intensity. But distraction can be really, really frustrating in relationship communication because you feel like you're, you know, you're never actually dealing with the issue at hand. It's always being deflected and turned into something else. And what I like to remind people is that if you push those things down or you never actually resolve them, they're going to come back up. And this is where I'll have couples that will say, we keep having the same argument over and over again. And even if it's a different topic that they're arguing about, it always circles back to the same set of issues because there's so much distraction and deflection that it's never actually being solved. It's never actually being dealt with. Yeah, I was going to say you're just avoiding it, really. It is. I guess that's a really good way to think about uh, this distraction or deflection is that it's a kind of avoidance that I think the brain starts to say, well, maybe if I push this off, maybe I won't have to deal with it at all. And that's the reason I try and caution people that when we start going through the process of relationship coaching or therapy, or even if they're just going through one of my workshops, that it can bring some stuff to the surface that you're now going to have to face and deal with. And if you've been pushing that stuff down for a while or distracting away from the issue at hand, it might be a little rocky while you're going through it. It doesn't mean there's not an other side, but it might be a bit bumpy, at least for a little bit. It very well might. It's always a bit bumpy. <laughs> it is always a bit bumpy. There's there's no such thing as an easy relationship. I think that there are ones that are harder than they have to be, but relationships take work and relationship communication is not something that it's just snap your fingers and it's all good. It takes work and consistency. It really does. So then if we move into the, the last type of anger that shows up on a pretty consistent basis, it's what we call justification. And this is where, you know, you've almost cycled through all of the other things and you're just so at your wits end that you look at the other person and you're like, well, you had it coming. You know, it's like it serves you right. It, it's a kind of scorekeeping, but it's almost like taking pleasure in the other person's pain and feeling almost vindicated or somehow like you're better than them because they're now having to suffer and 
you're you're like taking pleasure in that pain. When couples get to this point, it, it not to say that it can't be overcome, but it does take some work because it's almost like the, the resentment takes over and there's so much frustration at each other for all of the things that haven't been worked out or solved or worked through that it becomes really toxic because now the resentment is the fuel and that fuel is very powerful. It really is. Yeah, you avoided everything and now you have resentment and it comes to my favorite part of the equation saying, I told you so. Yep, absolutely. It's kind of like the, you know, well, that just is what it is. I don't know what to tell you. It serves you right. And then there's also less compassion involved in this whole thing. And I talk a lot about the concept of relationship compassion, that the relationship you're in needs to be a soft place to fall. And you need to be able to show up with your goods, your bads, your indifference, all of those things. But at the same time, you need to be able to have space for both people to show up authentically. And and that's not always easy. No, it's not. But I tell you from experience, the more you do it, the more you communicate, easier it comes uh, with time. Absolutely. The more you work at it, the more you ask these tough questions, the more you, you know, I'll have, I will even have couples sometimes, you know, do like a weekly check in with each other just to make sure that they're not building up any, you know, stuff that needs to be worked through. And with busy lives and kids and family and all sorts of things, especially the holidays coming up, it can be really easy to push things off and feel like, oh, we'll deal with it in the new year. But what I find is that that is kind of a form of distraction, at least it's deflection. And it's a little bit of avoidance that like there's never a good time to work on things. There's never a good time to address these issues. But the longer you let them fester beneath the surface, the longer it's going to take to work through them. And and it's a process. It is. And we take it one step at a time. Well, I'll tell you what. One step here. Another step would be checking me out on the Instagrams at our cash comedy. If you wish to see some of my shenanigans. <laughs> You do have a lot of shenanigans and people should check you out. Our cash comedy on Instagram. I know we have to wrap up for the day, but if you do want to follow along with anything I've got going on, you can go to lindsaywalden.com. That's where I have all of the blogs there. You can look at past episodes of the podcast and you can find all of the info that you need on how to work with me and how to go through my workshops. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, you can do that on Facebook at Lindsay Walden Consulting. On Instagram, it's at this is Lindsay Walden. On TikTok, it's at This Is Lindsay Walden, and Pinterest is Therapy Thoughts. Until next week, I do hope you keep living your best life and working to build that relationship of your dreams, and we will be back soon.